is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. America, Mark Levin here, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I want to say this right out of the box. I am proud of the Republicans on the House Education Committee. I am proud of the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. You know, the Democrats control the Senate. And the Democrat leader, who makes all the decisions, really, over who's going to be heard, what kind of hearings they're going to hold, and so forth, has not held hearings on what's going on in our college campuses, in our universities, in our streets. The funding, the millions pouring into our colleges and universities from foreign governments even terrorist organizations and their networks, into Soros front groups that are backing many of the organizations that are defending Hamas, in an organization like CARE, the largest Muslim Hamas terrorist front group in the United States operating for three decades. No hearings in the, <coughs> in the United States Senate, the Education Committee, even though Chuck Schumer is Jewish, even though Bernie Sanders is Jewish, nothing, because their faith is their party. In the House of Representatives, the Education Committee, under the Republicans, had a crucially important hearing about threats physical threats against Jewish students at some of our top universities and colleges. There was a brief press conference beforehand with the Speaker of the House, Johnson, and four of those students spoke. I watched every minute of it. Talking about hiding, 
having to lock themselves in dorm rooms, having to take off their mezuzahs or their yarmulkes or their Star David around their neck. Literally traveling from their dorm room to class in great fear. Things being said to them that are truly grotesque. Where's Joe Biden today? Joe Biden was at a fundraiser in Boston, meeting with a former chairman of J Street. J Street is an organization of self hating Jews that oppose Israel. It's a radical, left-wing, mostly Democrat operation where Democrats like Biden and Blinken and others like to go, where they receive standing ovations. They won't go to most of the mainstream Jewish organizations. Joe Biden couldn't find time to go to that rally with hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people, Jewish and Gentile, just a few weeks ago, before he flew off to his meeting with communist Chinese mass murderer Xi. And he still hasn't gone, by the way, as a footnote, to Palestine, Ohio, where he doesn't give a damn. He still hasn't gone to the border before it was cleaned up, like San Francisco was cleaned up for Xi. The Democrat Party looks more and more like these third world or even... First world autocratic regimes than like a party of a free people. Than like a party of a free people. Now, I want to talk a little bit about something that's very unpleasant. But before I do that, Mr. Producer... I want you folks to hear some of what was said today by these students. I want you folks to hear somewhat of what took place in this committee. I want you to know that the Fox News channel was the only cable or network channel to cover live what these students were saying about threats that are being made to them because they're Jewish. And I guarantee, I guarantee that if we were talking about any other minority, that every single one of these news platforms would have been covering this story live. That the Attorney General of the United States couldn't hide under his desk at the Department of Justice. That a President of the United States couldn't go off to a fundraiser in the middle of the day without being severely criticized. If you replace Jewish students with African-American students or Muslim students, you'd be hearing a very different story tonight. You'd be seeing a very different story throughout the day. And you're not. Why is that? If you listen to this program, you're a righteous human being, regardless of your faith. You care about your country. You care about your family. You believe in good and you fear evil. You know right from wrong. People of faith, all faiths, to one degree or another, you understand. 
but to be lectured. To be lectured by the reprobates at CNN and MSNBC about right versus wrong is so disgusting, is it not? With their moral equivalency, their censorship. It really is grotesque. And that's our media. We are now plagued with a poisonous, cancerous, radical left-wing, American-hating, Israel-hating, in many respects, Jew-hating, Hamas-loving media. I want you to hear, let's begin with Congresswoman Stefanik, Mr. Producer. We had three of the presidents of three of our top Poison Ivy League schools. MIT, University of Pennsylvania, and Harvard. And you'd be a fool to allow any of your kids to attend those institutions. I don't have the cut list in front of me right now, Mr. Producer. Let's go with cut six then. Go. Dr. Gay, a Harvard student calling for the mass murder of African Americans is not protected free speech at Harvard, correct? Our commitment to free speech... It's a yes or no question. Is that corrected? Is that... Okay for students to call for the mass murder of African Americans at Harvard? Is that protected free speech? Our commitment to free speech. It's a yes or no question. Let me ask you this. You are president of Harvard, so I assume you're familiar with the term intifada, correct? I've heard that term, yes. And you understand that the use of the term intifada in the context of the Israeli-Arab conflict is indeed a call for violent armed resistance against the state of Israel, including violence against civilians and the genocide of Jews. Are you aware of that? That type of hateful speech is personally abhorrent to me. And there have been multiple marches at Harvard with students chanting, quote, there is only one solution, intifada revolution, and, quote, globalize the intifada. Is that correct? I've heard that thoughtless, reckless, and hateful language on our campus, yes. So based upon your testimony, you understand that this call for intifada is to commit genocide against the Jewish people in Israel and globally, correct? I will say again, that type of hateful speech is personally abhorrent to me. Do you believe that type of hateful speech is contrary to Harvard's code of conduct, or is it allowed at Harvard? It is at odds with the values of Harvard. Can you not say here that it is against the code of conduct at Harvard? We embrace a commitment to free expression, even of views that are objectionable, offensive, hateful. It's when that speech crosses into conduct that violates our policies against bullying, harassment, Does that speech and not cross that barrier? Does that speech not call for the genocide of Jews and the elimination of Israel? When you speech- testify that you understand that is the def- definition of intifada. Is that speech-, speech according to the code of conduct or not? We embrace a commitment to free expression and give a wide berth to free expression even of views that are objectionable. You and I both know that's not the case. You are aware that Harvard ranked dead last when it came to free speech. Are you not aware of that report? As I observed earlier, 
I reject that characterization. It's the data shows it's true. And isn't it true that Harvard previously rescinded multiple offers of admissions for applicants and accepted freshmen for sharing offensive memes, uh, racist statements, sometimes as young as 16 years old? Did Harvard not rescind those offers of admission? That long predates my time as president. But you so understand that Harvard made that decision to rescind those offers of admission. I have no reason to contradict the facts as you present them. Correct, here. because it's a fact. You're also aware that a Winthrop House faculty dean was let go over, he, over who he chose to legally represent, correct? That was while you were dean. That is an incorrect characterization of what transpired. What's the characterization? I'm not going to get into details about a personnel matter. Well, let me ask you this. Will admissions offers be rescinded or any disciplinary action be taken against students or applicants who say, from the river to the sea or intifada, advocating for the murder of Jews? As I've said, that type of hateful, reckless, offensive speech is personally abhorrent to me. And today that when no action will be taken. What action will be taken? When speech crosses into conduct that violates our policies, including policies against bullying, harassment, or intimidation, we take action. And we have robust disciplinary processes that allow us to hold individuals accountable. What action has been taken against students who are harassing and calling for the genocide of Jews on Harvard's campus? I can assure you we have robust What actions have been taken? I'm not asking. Actions underway. I, I'm asking what actions have been taken against given, those students. Given students' rights to privacy and our obligations under FERPA, I will not say more about any specific cases other than to reiterate that processes are ongoing. Do you know what the number one hate crime in America is? I know that over the last couple of months, there has been an alarming rise of anti-Semitism, which I understand is the critical topic that we are here to discuss. That's correct. It is anti-Jewish hate crimes. And Harvard ranks the lowest when it comes to protecting Jewish students. This is why I've called for your resignation. And your testimony today, not being able to answer with moral clarity, speaks volumes. Who's next, Mr. Producer? Go. I am a junior at NYU, and I'm going to try to answer the following question for you from my personal experiences. What is it like to be a Jew at NYU? Being a Jew at NYU is walking to class and passing torn and defaced posters of innocent hostages with the words occupier and murderer written across their faces. It is going to Bope's library to study and being interrupted by unauthorized protests where students and faculty call for a globalized intifada revolution, an incitement to violence against Jews everywhere, and a call for the annihilation of the Jewish state and my friends and family who live there. Being a Jew at NYU is being surrounded by students and faculty who support the murder and kidnapping of Jews because after all, as they say, resistance is justified when people are occupied. It is being surrounded by social justice warriors and self-proclaimed feminists whose calls for justice end abruptly when the rape victims are Jews. Being a Jew at NYU has meant being physically assaulted in NYU's library by a fellow student while I was wearing an American Israeli flag and having my attacker still roam freely throughout the campus. Being a Jew at NYU is experiencing how diversity, equity, and inclusion 
is not a value that NYU extends to its Jewish students. Since October 7th, the unmistakable anti-Semitism that I've experienced on campus is reminiscent of the Jew hatred I've heard about from my grandparents, Holocaust survivors, who experienced I have to stop there because of a heartbreak, but you get the gist of this. I wanted, I wanted to get to, and what I will get to, is the back and forth with the University of Pennsylvania President Liz McGill and Representative Jim Banks. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Mark Levin here, folks, with essential information about a possible digital dollar and its impact on IRAs and 401ks. Educate yourself before a digital dollar comes with Augusta Precious Metals' downside of the digital dollar report. Created due to popular demand, this report is packed with important digital dollar insights. Best of all, it shares a strategy smart investors have used to hedge against economic uncertainties like the digital dollar. Act now to learn more with Augusta Precious Metals. Do it for your financial future. Receive the free downside of the digital dollar report today by texting LEVIN to 68592. That's L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Again, text LEVIN to 68592 or go to AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Text aid and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. You have the Speaker of the House who isn't Jewish. You have the Chairwoman of the House Education Committee who isn't Jewish. You've got Elise Stefanik. Jim Banks and all the wonderful Republicans on that committee, to my knowledge, none of whom are Jewish, taking up the cause of Jewish students at our universities and colleges. Not Chuck Schumer. Not Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders supports the enemy. That's clear. We have individuals in our media. Why didn't CNN cover this live? Why? They... They couldn't give it 15 minutes? Jake Tapper, you're going to apologize to the American people? You're going to leak about the anti-Semitism at CNN? How about over at MSNBC? What are you going to do over there, Andrea Mitchell? Anything? No, of course not. I'll be right back. Mark Levin here, folks, with essential information about a possible digital dollar and its impact on IRAs and 401ks. Educate yourself before a digital dollar comes with Augusta Precious Metals' downside of the digital dollar report. Created due to popular demand, this report is packed with important digital dollar insights. Best of all, it shares a strategy smart investors have used to hedge against economic uncertainties like the digital dollar. Act now to learn more with Augusta Precious Metals. Do it for your financial future. Receive the free downside of the Digital Dollar Report today by texting LEVIN to 68592. That's L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Again, text LEVIN to 68592 or go to AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Text aid and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com.
It is amazing to hear what we say here, Mr. Producer, behind a microphone repeated within 24 or 48 hours elsewhere. Hey, I have an idea. Yep, and you should. Congressman Jim Banks hopefully will be the next governor of Indiana. He's pressing the president of the University of Pennsylvania, Liz McGill, at this House hearing, the Education Committee, the Republicans were fantastic. Cut eight, go. Why did Penn let Professor Ahmad Amala off the hook, who led hundreds of students in chanting, there's only one solution, Intifada revolution? Why does that professor still have a job at your university? Representative, our approach to uh, speech is as I identified, it follows and is guided by the United States Constitution, uh, which allows for robust perspectives. Uh, I disagree with the characterization uh, that we treat speech differently. Uh, Let's hold on a minute, just so you understand the Constitution. You are free to say as you wish without government interference, as long as it doesn't cross the line. But you're not free to be a professor, to have tenure, to use a college campus to advance your speech. That goes back over 125 years with a Supreme Court decision. In other words, say whatever you want, as long as you're not actually inciting materially violence. But where you say it matters. Where you say it matters. And if you're saying it for the purpose of threatening, intimidating, and even trying to create an uprising against certain students on campus, which is supposed to be the place of academic freedom and free speech, obviously that's not protected by the United States Constitution. Go ahead. Any individual disciplinary proceeding. The same goes for Penn professor Ann Norton, who's repeatedly denied Hamas's worst worst atrocities on October 7. Or how about Huda Fakhreddin, who romanticized the murder of over a thousand Israeli Jews as, quote, Palestine inventing a new way of life and clapped as a speaker said Jews should go back to Berlin and Moscow. Why? Remember, these are these are professors who are paid. Who are paid. By the school and the taxpayers. They're not required to have these jobs. There's no compulsion in the Constitution that compels that. None. People don't get jobs or are fired from jobs all the time for offensive language. Some people can call it sexual harassment. Some people can call it racism and bigotry. Ask your HR department. Many of you who work at corporations... Once or twice a year, you go through these training seminars, what you can and cannot say, what you can and cannot do. But apparently, if it involves Jews, the elimination of Jews, the killing of Jews, the threatening of Jews, somehow that's protected under the First Amendment. I'll ask you again, would any one of these presidents of these universities, by the way, all women, would they say that if it was a different minority? If it was... Black people? Or what if it were gay people? Or LGBTQIXYZ people? Or any other people on the face of the earth? No, they would say 
It's not protected. So what's going on here? You know what's going on here. All throughout the 1930s, Harvard, University of Virginia, most of these other schools, they had many professors who supported Hitler in the Third Reich. Did you know this? I'm going to talk about this extensively, either on Saturday or Sunday on Fox. I have to decide which night. Books have been written about this. Did you know that? Scholars have written about this. Do you know that? Even in the middle of the Holocaust, these colleges and universities were promoting the Third Reich. We're promoting extermination and anti-Semitism. And many of these colleges and universities, guess what, folks, got money from the German authorities. Sound familiar? Well, it is familiar. It's happening again. Go ahead. You still have a job at your university. I'm very troubled by what you're describing, Congressman, that kind of... Uh, you're speaking out of both sides of your mouth. You're defending it. You allow these professors to teach at your college. You create a safe haven for this type of anti-Semitic behavior. You said something earlier about anti-Semitism being symbolic of the larger society. Your university is a hotbed of it. And one of the reasons that we're seeing a rise of anti-Semitism and an unsafe environment for, for Jewish college students all over this country, you're largely responsible for it. And what's not said in most of the media is that the litigation being brought against these universities and colleges for what they're doing would not be possible but for the presidency of Donald Trump. He signed the executive order extending and expanding Title VI of the Civil Rights Act. The Bushes didn't sign it. Obama didn't. Biden, when people asked him to expand it, sat on it. Donald Trump did it. You know, Hitler... Worse than Hitler. He did it. It's a little early yet, but I'm going to be spending. Committing my, my waking hours, the time I have on this earth during the course of this next election, exposing the Democrats, exposing Biden, defending the Republicans, and should Trump be the nominee, defending Trump. Because we got to get our Story straight. We got to fight this propaganda big time. My wife and I were talking today. Well, we talk every day, obviously, but especially if people would read American Marxism and the Democrat Party hates America, they'd know everything there is to know about what's going on, what has gone on and what's going to go on. Those two books. Lay it all out. Comprehensively. In a scholarly way, but in a way that is comprehensible to everybody and anybody. Those two books. Which is why you can't find the Democrat Party Hates America now in most retail stores. At the height of the holidays, Mr. Producer. Barnes & Noble has it in the back. Costco has removed it. 
But I don't blame Costco. Costco's done a good job. They have one big table. But you won't find it in any of the major national retail bookstores right now at the height of Hanukkah and Christmas. So you have to order it on Amazon. Or if you choose to go into one of these stores, you got to tell them, go in the back, get it, and dust it off if you choose to do that. Those two books. Forget about my other eight books, at least for now. Those two books. We'll tell you everything you need to know. Everything. And listen to this University of Pennsylvania dim-witted president. She lies about the First Amendment. She doesn't care. And then we have Marxists like Bernie Sanders. You heard these committees, this committee today. You've heard some of what I've played for you. But the day before in the U.S. Senate, as the media like to say, Bernie Sanders, a Jewish senator, was condemning the state of Israel because Bernie Sanders is a Marxist. Marxists do not tolerate faith, including Judaism. Bernie Sanders was born as a Jew. That's his ethnicity, but he rejects it as a religion. He rejects a Zionist state. He rejects the biblical history of the Jews. He rejects all of it. He embraces Marxism. Let's listen to this fool. Cut nine, go. At a time when over 250 people have been killed in the West Bank, I'm not talking about Gaza, talking about the West Bank since October 7th. And what did they do there in the West Bank? Even if we accept your number, I don't, but for argument's sake. So the Jews go into the West Bank, you see, Judea and Samaria, their industri- their, uh, their uh, ancestral homeland, and they just go around shooting Palestinians. Because that's what Jews do. We know that. That's what the Israelis do. They go around. They look, they look for people to kill and rape and maim. Is that what they're doing in Gaza? Is that what they're doing in Judea and Samaria? This is a sick bastard, this Bernie Sanders. B.S. Bernie Sanders. A self-hating buffoon. Show me one example. One where an IDF soldier in Gaza or in Judea and Samaria raped a Palestinian, period. Show me one example. And they keep pointing to it during the course of this war. Look at them committing these war crimes. One example where they decapitated a Palestinian baby's head. Just give me one. Or they shoved the Palestinian baby in an oven. One example, I ask. One example. Or they use motorcycle fumes to tattoo little kids. Give me one example. Just one. Give me one example. Where they took Palestinian women hostages. And now in the Daily Mail, the most disgusting, horrendous thing you can think of. And shot them in the vagina. And shot them in their breasts. And shot them in their backside. Give me one damn example. Bernie Sanders is a punk. He's a puke. 
He's an old red. Under his ideology, a hundred million people have been slaughtered and billions have been enslaved. This pathetic, stupid throwback endorsed every communist regime during his lifetime. Whether it was Brezhnev or Castro or Mao, it didn't matter. And then when these atrocities first said, well, they didn't do it. No, they didn't do it right. He reversed his course. What kind of a kook has his honeymoon in Moscow during the Cold War? And we tolerate him as some kind of grandfatherly figure. No, he's not. He hates this country. He hates you. He's a democratic socialist, but he votes with the Democrats. Of course they do. All the Marxists in the end are Democrats. All the Islamists are Democrats. All the Hamas supporters in this country are Democrats. That's the party. When they go around talking about Trump trying to destroy democracy. Unbelievable. I've got more. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Mark Levin here, folks, with essential information about a possible digital dollar and its impact on IRAs and 401ks. Educate yourself before a digital dollar comes with Augusta Precious Metals' downside of the digital dollar report. Created due to popular demand, this report is packed with important digital dollar insights. Best of all, it shares a strategy smart investors have used to hedge against economic uncertainties like the digital dollar. Act now to learn more with Augusta Precious Metals. Do it for your financial future. Receive the free downside of the digital dollar report today by texting LEVIN to 68592. That's L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Again, text LEVIN to 68592 or go to AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Text aid and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. From the Daily Mail, not the New York Times, not the Washington Post, not CNN, not MSNBC, Not out of Joe Biden's mouth or Blinken's mouth or Sullivan's mouth or Kirby's mouth. From the Daily Mail. Hamas terrorists shot female Israeli soldiers in the crotch. They mean in the vagina. Intimate parts and breasts as part of a systematic genital mutilation. Some of the female victims of the attack on October 7th were left with agonized looks on their faces in death. So in death, their faces were frozen in horrendous agony. Army reservist Sherry Mendez said many bodies of female victims, both civilian and soldiers, arrived, quote, in bloody shredded rags or just in underwear. Menendez, whose unit is based in the Sharua Army Base in central Israel, was speaking at a U.N. event in New York yesterday titled, Hear Our Voices, Sexual and Gender-Based Violence, in the October 7th Hamas terror attack. She said, our team commander saw several female soldiers who were shot in the crotch, intimate parts, vagina, shot in their breasts. 
This seems to be a systematic genital mutilation of a group of victims. These women, she said, arrive with their eyes opened, their mouths in grimaces, their fists clenched. They were dying in excruciating pain. The soldiers that we dealt with had expressions of agony on their faces still. I remember one young woman whose arm was broken in so many places, it was difficult for us to lay her arm in the burial shroud, her leg too. In her case, the entire left side of her body was shredded, torn apart, mostly, most likely by a grenade. And what they mean by that is a grenade planted on her. Menendez, describing the atrocities in graphic detail, said that she and her unit are forced to make a decision to not show the families of the dead soldiers their bodies. She said some were shot in the heads, were bashed in so badly that their brains were spilling out. Some were shot in the head so many times at close range that their heads were almost blown off their shoulders. Women. She said the scene that lay before her as she arrived at the Shirma army base a day after Hamas killed 1,200 people was, quote, unimaginable in scale. Body bags were piled to the ceiling, lining the corridors in every room. Refrigerator trucks were waiting outside, also full. Body bags just kept coming and coming in all shapes and sizes. Many were oozing liquids and the floors were wet. The smell of death was already unbearable. It is impossible to overemphasize the number of bodies we were dealing with, the sense of shock and despair. More and more reports of Hamas using sexual violence as a method of warfare during its bloody incursion have been published in the weeks since. I saw a beautiful woman with the face of an angel and eight or ten of the fighters beating and raping her. She was screaming, stop it. Already I'm going to die anyway from what you are doing. Just kill me. And when they were done, they shot her in the head. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Poison Ivy, Mr. Producer. Now we're hearing it and seeing it everywhere, aren't we? Poison Ivy League schools. I need, like, a paralegal here who can file... uh, copyrights left and right i'm just kidding but it is pathetic i want to read something to you i want to thank uh, hank berrien over at the daily wire i don't expect these things but when they happen i try to give the credit where credit is due i posted earlier this morning the following and before i get to that hank writes and a single tweet best-selling author and news analyst Mark Levin shredded CNN's Jake Tapper for his anti-Israel reporting. Levin began by noting Tapper trying to bully an Israeli spokesman by saying, quote, 
There are a lot of innocent people being killed by bombs that Israel is raining down upon Gaza. And even if, and I know the idea believes that Israel has killed 5,000 members of Hamas. That's thousands of innocent people, including women and children and babies that Israel has killed. Even if it's an accident, even if it's collateral damage, it's a lot of innocent lives that have been killed by Israel. Oh, this is a self-hating Jew. And keep in mind, it was CNN and the likes of Tapper and those guys who pressed the White House to call me an anti-Semite for calling out Tapper and Wolf Blitzer. Over a, did he say, were or weren't, but they won't call Gillibrand an anti-Semite on CNN. Why is that? She said a lot of lousy things right there on CNN. Why don't they go to the White House and ask the White House to call her an anti-Semite because the White House won't. Neither will CNN management because they're a complete farce. But let's go on. Then Levin went to work. Quote, Tapper's self-righteous moral outrage does not extend to all the countries around the world, and particularly in the Middle East, where civilians are being intentionally targeted for slaughter from Syria and Iran to Yemen and beyond. It does not extend to these several million Muslims in China who've been shipped to concentration camps where they are raped, tortured and murdered. It does not extend to Russia, which is specifically targeting Ukrainian civilians for annihilation, killing tens of thousands of them and on and on. Well, you know, we did mention it way back in uh, July 7th. Okay, got it. He quoted Tapper claiming Israel's raining bombs down on Gaza, then fired. No, it's not. If Israel wanted to rain bombs down on Gaza, it would not be sending tens of thousands of its young men and women into Gaza, the IDF infantry, to fight street by street, house by house, room by room, thereby increasing Israeli casualties as it seeks to limit civilian casualties. It wouldn't be dropping leaflets, sending text messages, dropping bump bombs, etc., warning Palestinians to get out of harm's way. Name another military on the face of the earth that does this. He challenged Tapper, name another country on the face of the earth that would show such restraint after its girls were gang raped and executed, after its babies were decapitated, after a hundred of its citizens were taken hostage from a 10 month old infant to an 89 year old Holocaust survivor, most of whom have been tortured and many of whom the women and girls in particular will not be returned as they can't tell the world how they were horribly abused. Israel must be wiped out. Israel, excuse me, must wipe out the Palestinian terrorists who name themselves Hamas. They are Palestinian terrorists, which was voted into power by the Palestinians in Gaza, who are overwhelmingly supported by the Palestinian civilians, not only in Gaza, but Judea and Samaria, according to a serious survey conducted a few weeks ago of the Palestinians in these areas and who support the slaughter of Israeli Jews on October 7 and their annihilation. They said so. Then I turned back to Tapper. He writes, Tapper has never gone through this report with his audience because he's pushing a narrative and projecting his own bigotry, which belie the report's findings and, of course, what most serious observers have always known to be true. At no time does Tapper explain how he would destroy these terrorists without harming civilians, given that Hamas wants its own civilians killed in order to influence Tapper's reporting and the rest of the American media. The fact is that every death is on the head of Hamas, not the Israeli Defense Forces, wrote Levin. 
But Tapper continues to berate Israeli officials. He would just assume Israeli citizens face endless acts of terrorism, as they have since 1948. And they have for thousands of years before that. Because that is the outcome if Israel does not destroy Hamas. Hamas itself has said it will never stop. And that October 7 was a dry run for worse. In other words, it is one thing to proclaim never again. But when the Israeli Jews actually take affirmative steps to prevent future atrocities against themselves, they are perpetrators and oppressors. No better than the marauding terrorists who seek to wipe them out. If Tapper and his ilk were serious journalists, they would spend at least 10% of the time they used to attack Israel, or 5% of the time they used to attack Donald Trump, explaining that the Biden administration has waived sanctions against Iran, has continued funding UNRWA, which in turn funds Hamas, which the UN refuses to label a terrorist group, and continued funding the Palestinian Liberation Organization, founded by Arafat, all terrorist and terrorist-supporting entities. Biden saved the Iranian regime, their economy, rearmed its military, despite the fact that it has also sought to assassinate former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and former National Security Advisor John Bolton, and killed and maimed thousands of American soldiers in Iraq. Biden is funding terrorism, directly and indirectly, and Iran is pouring money and armaments into Gaza and supporting terrorist operations in Lebanon, Yemen, Iraq, etc. To be used for the purpose of killing Israeli Jews and others. Tapper's small audience might benefit from this information rather than his constant self-righteous tirades and blaming the Israelis. Biden and Blinken blew up the Middle East as a direct result of their policies. And they blew up Trump's policies, which led to the Abraham Accords, Iran's unraveling. Israeli-Saudi relations are much more. Indeed, as Iran attacks American and armed forces through proxies today. Thus far, Biden has done nothing serious to punish that regime and protect our men and women. But Tapper hates Trump. He supports Biden and the Democrat Party. And the disastrous foreign policy of Obama that continues to this day through his former staffers in the Biden regime Tapper is not a serious journalist. He has a long resume of working for Democrats and Democrat causes and a media background that includes working with a radical left-wing media website called Salon. His true purpose is to provide propaganda for the left, to stop Israel from winning a war it did not start, to turn Israeli restraint into Israeli oppression and barbarism, and quote-unquote cover the war through the lens of the perpetrators. And he does it with sanctimony and self-righteousness and undercover of a so-called news organization, CNN. Of course, like the rest of the media, he denounces what happened on October 7 and Hamas, but then condemns Israel, for, condemns Israel from trying to prevent a future October 7, the only way it truly can, by defeating a monstrous enemy that commits war crimes as a purposeful strategy for destroying a democracy and civil society generally. If October 7 doesn't prove this point to someone like Tapper and the pro-Hamas protesters in our colleges and streets, and Hamas's own mission statement underscores it all, then nothing will. Tapper's sympathy for Israelis ended soon after October 7, as he and his network predictably turned against the Israeli defenders, as they have in the past. Indeed, as most of the rest of American media has. Now they use moral equivalency, or worse, to push their narrative and project their agenda. 
Thankfully, the media do not represent the American people. They represent a small but powerful group of self-appointed elitists and leftists who can be counted on to root against Israel as they root against America. Israel will survive if it rejects these media reprobates and the suicidal demands of the Biden regime. That's what I wrote and posted this morning. And Tapper is illustrative of the rest of them. And it's grotesque. Benjamin Netanyahu today. He sees what's been done to the children of Israel. He see he sees what's been done to Israel's girls, to their ladies, to the females in the IDF. He sees what this scum has done. And the American media, particularly the Sunday host, spend more time wringing their hands about Israel and the civilians in Gaza than the purposeful, targeted mutilation and torture, sexual deviancy against these women who died horrible, horrible deaths. Not collateral damage, quote-unquote. Intentional targets. This is what Bibi Netanyahu said today. Cut one, Mr. Producer, go. I and the cabinet members met with the families of the hostages today. The hostages that have been released already and the ones that we're doing everything we can to bring back home. And I've heard heart-wrenching stories about the thirst, the hunger, about mental and physical abuse. These little children who are still whispering out of fear and the great darkness in which their loved ones are still in. And I heard, and you've also heard about sexual abuse and some vicious rapes. But I must say that until just a few days ago, I haven't heard anything from human rights organizations. I didn't hear women's organizations. I didn't hear anything from women organizations in the UN. I did not hear their outcry, so I say to them, where are you? Did you remain silent because these are Jewish women? I would like to say this. In a language that everybody understands. To the human rights organizations, you've heard of the rape of Israeli women? Horrible atrocities, sexual mutilation? Where the hell are you? I expect all civilized leaders, governments, nations to speak up against this atrocity. Well, there is a great man and a great leader who they're trying to destroy. The radical left is Israel, our government, and the radical left here, starting with Thomas Friedman at the New York Times. It's quite appalling, isn't it? 105 Democrats declined to vote for a resolution declaring anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism. All anti-Zionism means the Jews have a right to their homeland, to their ancestral homeland. That's it. But it's been turned on the radical left into a 
cuss word. 105 Democrats voted against it. That's half of the Democrats in the House of Representatives said, no, we're not going to vote that that's anti-Semitism. I just want people to understand the nature of the beast here. The beast being the Democrat Party. Democrat Party is is the home to all of these Islamists, Marxists, and you name it. To all the people who detest America, the Democrat Party is their home. They vote Democrat. To all the people who detest Israel and the Jews, they vote Democrat. They don't vote Republican. It's the Republicans leading the battle on Capitol Hill for funding for Israel. It's the Republicans on Capitol Hill who are leading the effort to expose what's being done on our college campuses. We have a president who uses the executive order and dictates and fiats left and right to advance the radical left-wing cause, whether it's economic or open borders or whatever it is. But when it comes to anti-Semitism on our college campuses, where there is clearly federal monies flowing into these schools, he does nothing. The Attorney General does nothing. Oh, a little here and there, but nothing. They don't even talk about it. They don't even talk about it. And Jayapal says what she says, and the spokesman at the White House refuses to condemn her. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Pure Talk has you covered for the holidays with a free Moto G5G phone. No gimmicks, no trade-in necessary. Just sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, unlimited text, 15 gig data plan, just 35 bucks, and get the Moto G5G phone free. But here's the deal. You need to move fast because these phones are almost gone. So if your current phone is on life support, upgrade for free with Pure Talk. Enjoy two-day battery life, an exceptional quad pixel camera, and a whole lot more. Just go to puretalk.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N, to get this exclusive offer and to select the plan that's right for your family. Remember, Pure Talk gives you America's most dependable 5G network at half the price. So make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Levin, that's slash L-E-V-I-N, to claim your free Moto G5G phone with qualifying plan. Again, puretalk.com slash Levin, Pure Talk, simply smarter wireless. The party of tyranny, the party of autocracy, the party that hates our founding, hates our constitution, hates our declaration, always takes our creator out of it. The party that is the home to Islamists, the party that's the home to anti-Semites, the party that's the home to racists and bigots, the party that defended Harvard from discriminating against Asians, the party that has borders wide open. And doesn't blink twice over the dehumanization of the people trying to come here, sexual slavery and the little kids and all the rest. They're now going to try and define the Republican Party and Donald Trump as Hitler in the Third Reich. That's what they mean by MAGA. Think about this. They have an enormous multi-trillion dollar media corporate 
operation to help them. We have billionaires pouring enormous sums of money into the Democrat Party. What is it that they know that we don't know? They know this. They hate freedom. They love centralized control. I'll be right back. Pure Talk has you covered for the holidays with a free Moto G5G phone. No gimmicks, no trading necessary. Just sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, unlimited text, 15 gig data plan, just 35 bucks, and get the Moto G5G phone free. But here's the deal. You need to move fast because these phones are almost gone. So if your current phone is on life support, upgrade for free with Pure Talk. Enjoy two-day battery life, an exceptional quad pixel camera, and a whole lot more. Just go to puretalk.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N, to get this exclusive offer and to select the plan that's right for your family. Remember, Pure Talk gives you America's most dependable 5G network at half the price. So make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Levin, that's slash L-E-V-I-N, to claim your free Moto G5G phone with qualifying plan. Again, puretalk.com slash Levin, Pure Talk, simply smarter wireless. Over at Breitbart, Nick Gilbertson writes, Leftist media outlets, the Washington Post, New York Times, the Atlantics, I would add CNN and many more, are stoking fear about a second Trump administration as former President Trump leads Biden in key polling. On Friday, Washington Post editor-at-large Robert Kagan wrote an op-ed titled, A Trump Dictatorship is Increasingly Inevitable. We Should Stop Pretending. Now, this is the editor-at-large at at the Washington Compost that helped cover up the Holocaust. That was followed by a Monday excerpt labeled The Fear of Looming Trump Dictatorship by columnist Isha Tarour in the Washington Post Today Worldview newsletter. So that's twice in two days. Tells you what's coming. Just a few years, we've gone from relatively a relatively secure in our democracy to being a few short steps, a matter of months, away from the possibility of dictatorship, wrote Kagan. These people are so unhinged. He expressed worry that if Trump were to win back the White House, he could potentially seek a third term and disregard the 22nd Amendment. These are the fantasies in their own minds. They take the 14th Amendment, and now four states have said no through their judiciaries that you can't use Section 3 of the 14th Amendment to prevent Donald Trump from being on the ballot. But you see, ladies and gentlemen, it's Donald Trump that we have to worry about. I'm under the New York Times, Charlie Savage, Jonathan Swan, and Maggie Haberman, who actually has a secret love for Trump, authored a piece making the case that, quote, a second Trump presidency may be more radical than his first. They ever write this about Obama? Biden? Way back when did they ever write this about FDR? People are sick. They contend that checks on Trump would be weaker and he would have a stronger opportunity to implement, quote, more extreme policy plans, unquote. Now, what are extreme policy plans? Plans that the New York slime doesn't agree with? Plans that the ruling class and the Washington establishment don't agree with? That doesn't make them extreme. Makes them constitutional. 
The Atlantic announced Monday morning that it's launching a special issue that, quote, warns of the grave and extreme consequences if former President Trump were to win in 2024, unquote, and argues that, quote, Trump and Trumpism pose an existential threat to America and to the ideas that animate it, unquote. This is why the Department of Justice has thrown everything they can think of at Donald Trump and wants to put him in federal prison. Now, listen to me. We've heard the choir in this part of the body politics say that Donald Trump is worse than Hitler. We've heard them call him Stalin. We've heard them call him Mussolini. We've heard them say of him that he wants to imprison his political opponents. We've heard them even say he wants to execute his opponents. Now he wants, you see, a dictatorship. He won't comply with the limits of the Constitution. It's an amazing thing. I could have sworn they said, Mr. Producer, that the Constitution's illegitimate. I could have sworn I heard hosts on CNN and MSNBC say that. I could have sworn I've read college law professors write such things that the Constitution is illegitimate. CRT tells us this because it was written by white supremacists. Now they wave it around. See, it's there to protect us. Because the left, the Marxist left, is nuts. Donald Trump's complied with the Constitution. It's Joe Biden who's violated it on immigration, on student loans, on so many ways. And he's cheered on for it. So you can violate the Constitution. You can destroy Supreme Court justices. You can try and nationalize your policies in violation of federalism. And on and on and on, as long as you're moving hard left. And if you want to fight for the Constitution and bring us back to small-r republicanism with checks and balances and everything, you're a dictator. And by the way, they've pulled the same thing with Netanyahu. Netanyahu has been trying to eliminate the judicial tyranny that exists in Israel, which is supported by most liberal Democrats in this country on cable TV, some including on Fox. They say he wants to destroy democracy, when in fact it's they who've destroyed democracy. Since when is a judicial oligarchy democracy? Any oligarchy is anti-democracy. Eight essays from the issue of The Atlantic were published on Monday. Four more will be released daily through Friday. And one piece published Monday titled The Danger Ahead, David Frum. Talk about a sleazeball. David Frum writes... If he wins the election, Trump will commit the first crime of his second term at noon on Inauguration Day. His oath to defend the Constitution of the United States will be a perjury. What an idiot. Forthcoming pieces in the collection include titles such as China Will Get Stronger, Extremists Emboldened, and Civil Rights Undone. Trump allies slam the stories in a serious post on X, of course. So that's the campaign. To run a campaign like Marxists and fascists. To use their media, the Democrat Party media, when they're in power, the state-run media. To give voice, propaganda to this. And I said, if they call Trump Hitler, you're watching and listening to these media types who are Goebbels. This is what you're up against. This is what I'm up against. This is what we're up against. And by the way, Nikki Haley, 
Nikki Haley, was announced by a billionaire Democrat who supports Democrats that he was giving a quarter of a million to Nikki Haley's PAC, Political Action Committee. She hasn't said, no, I don't want any money from it. She's taken all she can get. So the list of Democrats, the list of rhinos, the list of uniparty billionaires backing Nikki Haley grows and grows and grows. The list of hosts on cable TV who are promoting her grows and grows and grows across the board. The mouthpieces from the Bush clan and, and others are all over TV, like Rove and others. It's Haley, don't you know? Yes, it's Haley. And then they say, if Haley doesn't get the nomination, she should run third party. Because they really want to elect a Democrat. If it's Biden, it's Biden. I have a simple question for you. If Donald Trump can't win the presidency, which is what they also say, why are they doing everything they can to destroy him and prevent him from even running for the presidency? Why are they spending so much time on him? Why have they unleashed their Stasi prosecutors and Stasi investigators against him? Why have they unleashed their Soviet-style judges against him? Why have they unleashed their Pravda, the media, against him? And why, of course, have they unleashed their Benedict Arnolds within the Republican Party against him? If Donald Trump is the nominee, and if Donald Trump loses, it'll be many factors, but it will also be the Republicans and the establishment. It is they who don't want to lose power. And you have Dizzy Lizzie Cheney all over the place. Self-righteous. Lacks any circumspection. Has literally done nothing for this country. Plenty for the Democrat Party. And has become a grifter of her insistence that if Donald Trump is elected president, our country will be destroyed. I said this to you the other day, and I want to repeat it. I want to underscore it. So it'll be used tomorrow on TV, right, Mr. Producer? Which is this. If these people really believe, truly believe, that all these things will come to pass if Donald Trump is elected president, what are they doing to prepare for it? Many of them are very wealthy. If they bought homes overseas, if they changed their citizenship, what have they done to prepare for it? Nothing. They're sleazeballs. They're liars. That's who they are. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Pure Talk has you covered for the holidays with a free Moto G5G phone. No gimmicks, no trading necessary. Just sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, unlimited text, 15 gig data plan, just 35 bucks, and get the Moto G5G phone free. But here's the deal. You need to move fast because these phones are almost gone. So if your current phone is on life support, upgrade for free with Pure Talk. Enjoy two-day battery life, an exceptional quad-pixel camera, and a whole lot more. 
Just go to puretalk.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N, to get this exclusive offer and to select the plan that's right for your family. Remember, Pure Talk gives you America's most dependable 5G network at half the price. So make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Levin, that's slash L-E-V-I-N, to claim your free Moto G 5G phone with qualifying plan. Again, puretalk.com slash Levin, Pure Talk, simply smarter wireless. I want to read something to you. See, if I were like most other hosts, I would read it, take notes, and then regurgitate parts of it and claim it as my own. This happens all the time, you know. It's like people who put out books that don't actually write them. For me, you get the real, the real deal. John Ellis is a brilliant professor emeritus. University of California, Santa Cruz. Oh, that must have been fun. I had him on my Fox show, the author of The Breakdown of Higher Education, How It Happened, The Damage It Does, and What Can Be Done. He's been warning about this for many years, and he will be one of my exclusive guests this weekend. He says in the Wall Street Journal here, America faces a formidable range of calamities, crime out of control, borders in chaos by design, children, um, Poorly educated, while sexualized and politicized against parental opposition, unconstitutional censorship, a press that does government PR rather than oversight, our institutions and corporations debased in the name of diversity, equity and inclusion and more. To these has been added an outbreak of virulent anti-Semitism. Every one of these degradations can be traced wholly or in large part to a single source, the corruption of higher education by radical political activists. Children's test scores have plummeted because college education departments train teachers to prioritize social justice over education. Censorship started with one-party campuses shutting down conservative voices. The coddling of criminals originated with academia's devotion to Michael Falchholz's idea that criminals are victims, not victimizers. The drive to separate children from their uh, parents begins a long-standing campus contempt for the suburban home and nuclear family. Radicalized college journalism departments promote far-left advocacy. Open borders reflect pro-globalism and anti-nation-state sentiment among radical Professors, DEI, started as a campus ruse to justify racial quotas. Campus anti-Semitism grew out of ideologies like anti-colonialism, anti-capitalism, and intersectionality. Never have college campuses exerted so great or so destructive an influence. Once an indispensable support of our advanced society, academia has become a cancer metastasizing through its vital organs. The radical left is the cause, most obviously through the one-party campus, having graduated an entire generation of young Americans indoctrinated with their ideas. There are other ways. Academia has a monopoly on training for the most influential professions. The destructive influence of campus schools of education and journalism already noted is matched in the law, medicine, and social work, etc. 
Academia's suppression of the Constitution causes still more damage. Hostility to the Constitution leads to banana republic shenanigans. Suppression of anti-government speech. The press is acting as mouthpiece for government. Law enforcement used to harass opponents of the government and so forth. Higher education by and for political radicals was foreseen and banned by the American Association of University Professors, which in a celebrated 1915 policy statement, 1915, warned teachers, quote, against taking unfair advantage of the students and their immaturity by indoctrinating them with the teacher's own opinions, unquote. The AAUP already understood that political indoctrination would stamp out opposing views, which means the end of rational analysis and debate, the essential core of higher education. That 1915 statement is still a recognized professional standard, except that almost everywhere it is ignored, at least until the public is looking. Optimists see signs of hope in growing public hostility to campus foolishness, the radical control <coughs> of the campuses becomes more complete every day as older professors retire and are replaced by more radicals. A bellwether, the membership of the National Association of Diversity Officers in Higher Education, who knew, which represents the enforcers of radical orthodoxy, has tripled in the past three years, tripled. An advanced society can't tolerate the capture of its educational system by a fringe political sect that despises its constitution and way of life. We have no choice. We must take back control of higher education from cultural vandals who have learned nothing from the disastrous history of societies that have implemented their ideas. And it goes on, but you can see the brilliance of the piece and the accuracy of the piece. I quibble with one minor point. Higher education's been at the bottom of it all, Mr. Producer, but the Democrat Party has been behind every damn part of it and still is. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. 
Hello, America. You see, this Islamist ideology is, uh, is dangerous and deadly. And it's deadly to our own culture. Now, what am I talking about? Well, let's see here. This is from, uh, where's this from, Mr. Producer? Post-millennial. Post-millennial, great site. Breaking. Governor Newsom cancels Christmas tree lighting ceremony after threats of disruption by pro-Palestinian activists. You see these, these folks, these people, these activists are trying to replace our culture with their culture. And as I keep saying over and over again, it's not just Jews, it's Christians, Buddhists, Hindus, atheists, whoever is not an Islamicist or an Islamist. And so that's where we are now. The destruction of our college campuses, the destruction of our media, which already destroyed itself, but you get the point, and now the destruction of our holidays. Christmas tree lighting ceremony. California Governor Gavin Newsom has canceled the annual Christmas tree lighting in Sacramento as a protest against Israel was scheduled by the Regional Coalition for Palestinian Rights. Had declared their intention to hold a protest on Tuesday during the tree lighting. The group has been calling for a ceasefire, a.k.a. the complete obliteration of the Jews in Israel which had been in effect for a few days until Hamas refused to abide by the terms of the ceasefire, that is, to release the girls and the women who they butchered, who they raped and butchered. And so let's be clear, this regional coalition for Palestinian rights obviously agrees with that and supports it. I don't believe they put out a statement against it. Where's CARE, by the way? Where's all these groups? The group also said they wanted to, quote, out Governor Gavin Newsom for hiding from the public because he doesn't want to face their anger at his shameful stance in regard to the genocide in Gaza. Okay, so these are pro-Hamas, terrorist-supporting individuals. Don't get me pro-Palestinian. The tree lighting will continue remotely, and the public will only be permitted to watch via live stream. How dare this governor... Such a coward. Fold to these threats. So now Christmas tree lighting's out, folks. Next thing you know, Christmas won't be publicly celebrated. I mean, it's not a long walk from the Jews to the Christians, you know. They're all enemies of God's, according to the Islamists. They all must be destroyed, eliminated. As we continue to see protests across the country impacting the safety of events of all scales, and for the safety and security of all participating members and guests, including children and families, the ceremony this year will be virtual. A spokesperson from the governor's office said, Is this guy a presidential medal? Of course not. He buckles. The program is unchanged, and viewers ask, Shut up, you idiot. you got to stream it. KCRA also reports the Newsom will be joined by his first partner. Do they mean his wife, Mr. Producer? 
his first partner, which I think is his second or third partner, if they want to put it that way. Otherwise known as Newsom's wife, Jennifer Seibel Newsom. First partner Newsom will host a five-year-old Native American girl who's titled as the first Native American child to assist with the ceremony. Priests and other Christian leaders were not part of the celebration of Jesus Christ's birth, despite it being a major holiday for that religion. I'm telling you that the culture is being destroyed. Mainstream faiths and religions are being destroyed. You have to accommodate. You have to accommodate the extremists and the radicals among us, even if many of them are here newly. New immigrants. Because their cultures are more important than ours. We're not supposed to require them to assimilate into our culture. We are required to assimilate into their culture. Don't you see how this works? The Democrat... All right, I want to get on to another subject here. And I've been meaning to get on with this. Some of you may disagree with me, although I'm, I'm really ashamed of that, to be perfectly honest with you. Tens of thousands of Ukrainians have died at the hands of the Russians. You wouldn't know that if you watch Jake Tapper in CNN or if you watch Joe Scarborough on MSNBC or the other reprobates. Ukraine did invade Russia. Russia invaded Ukraine. You know the story. Now, despite all the money Joe Biden has spent, he's been very frivolous with it. The Ukrainians needed heavy equipment early on in that war. Not all these restrictions that were placed on Ukraine as Biden's trying to place restrictions on Israel. And by the way, they're trying to place restrictions on Taiwan, too. So we had this surrender in Afghanistan. Biden is now really undermining the Ukrainians. Do they need more weapons? Of course they do. They don't have an industrial center that produces weapons. They used to be part of the old Soviet Union. Those industrial centers are in Russia. So they can't make the weapons. And again, when we give them money, much of the money, not all of it, much of the money doesn't even leave here. It's used to build the weapons or to replace the weapons that they've used. But all that aside, Ukraine is going to fall. Russia is going to devour Ukraine. And it's not going to stop there. It's going to see this, and it's going to hit Poland and Romania, and how do we know this? How many times do I have to say it? Because Putin told us so. There's your World War III when you trigger Article 5 of NATO. I disagree with so-called conservatives who become isolationists, who say we shouldn't support Ukraine. We shouldn't support the Biden policy toward Ukraine, but we should support Ukraine. And I don't want to be proven right over and over and over again. I really don't. The aftermath will be a disaster. For many of our NATO countries, well, NATO should put more well. Say what you will. The rubber hits the road right now. We have an explosion of enemies on the move in this world right now. Iran, Hez, uh, Hamas, 
The Hooties, who most people never even heard of before. Soon Hezbollah. North Korea. Russia. China's building for World War III. And we're sending belly dancers into the Pentagon or whatever the hell we're doing over there. We can't meet our numbers. Because nobody wants to join an army that is hell-bent on not winning. We haven't won a major war since World War II. And nobody wants to join an army under this commander-in-chief. And the numbers demonstrate that. But Ukraine, I understand that there are demagogues and propagandists and isolationists out there. I really do. Who've been praising Putin, and then when you call them on it, they pretend they're not praising Putin. I got it. I understand all this. We're not sending troops into Ukraine. You know what? That would be stupid, actually. We're not sending troops into Taiwan. We're not sending troops into Israel. These are countries that want to defend themselves against our enemies. Against our enemies. Oh, Putin's not an enemy. He keeps threatening to shoot nuclear weapons. And so the answer is appease him. Now, that doesn't work. Now, what are we going to do if Ukraine falls? What are we going to do if Russia marches through Ukraine? And says, you know what? We warned you. Poland, what are we going to do? We have an obligation under the NATO treaty. That's the problem. We also had an obligation to help Ukraine under the 1994 memorandum, where they surrendered all their nuclear weapons to Russia in exchange for our support Britain's support, and yes, Russia's support. Support what? Their sovereignty. Against anyone else. That's been violated. The British turned over Hong Kong under the ridiculous idea that it would be slowly turned over to China after 99 years. So what did the Chinese do? They took, they took Hong Kong. So Biden says, you know, rather than them taking, why don't we give? Why don't we give the terrorists in the Middle East, Iran and the rest of them, Judea and Samaria, the so-called West Bank? They don't have to conquer it. We'll just give it to them. You understand under Biden's watch, Ukraine might be defeated and those people slaughtered and overrun and we might have World War through, starting right at Poland or Romania. You understand this? The Balkan states? We might have World War III in the Middle East because he won't put down Iran and what they're doing, and they're getting more and more provocative and aggressive. And he's been appeasing Xi and Communist China because he has sold out to them. His family's made millions from them. But don't worry, it's Donald Trump who we have to fear, you know. The great Paul Ryan and Liz Cheney. Between the two of them, two knuckleheads. Worse. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
There's a really killer new book out. Controller Arcs. Controller Arcs. Exposing the billionaire class, their secret deals, and the globalist plot to dominate your life. By Seamus Bruner. Seamus, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, Mark. How are you? Very well. You work with our buddy uh, Peter Schweizer, correct? Yes, sir. That's right. All right. Well, tell us about your book. I mean, uh, it looks like Nikki Haley is cornering the uh, market on these uh, uniparty billionaires so far. What do you think? (laughs) Well, uh, Mark, as you know, you know us, Peter Schweitzer and I, we follow the money. We expose the political class. And uh, during the pandemic, we got this feeling. Many of us have felt it for years now that there's an elite class above the politicians, many of whom are puppets. And so we followed the money all the way to the top, the big donor class, people like George Soros, who, of course, is the biggest political funder on both sides. Um, but then there's also these guys operating behind the scenes uh, who really moved into the, in the shadows but came onto center stage during the pandemic, certainly Bill Gates, Klaus Schwab, even uh, the Rockefeller family. And so the way I define control guards is uh, these are the billionaires and bureaucrats plotting and scheming to dominate every aspect of our lives. And their number one goal, what makes them different than other billionaires, is their number one goal is to take away power from individuals and people like you and me and countries like the United States and transfer that power to international organizations controlled by them. That would be organizations like the West the World Health Organization, and the totally corrupt United Nations. And so once you understand that, uh, all of the chaos in our lives, whether it's the open borders, the crime in our cities, the inflation, even the anti-Semitism and hatred and division, everything starts to make sense when you realize that these control oligarchs want to take away power from you and me and from countries and transfer it to a supranational system controlled by them. Now, their involvement in politics and so forth, uh, some of it is covert, some of it is, uh, is, uh, is known, but it's enormously powerful, and they're very involved, aren't they? Yeah, that's right. I mean, we're talking enormous sums of money. I mean, we, we, we crunched every number. We found that, uh, as most people know, they added trillions of dollars both to their personal net worths but also to the market caps on their companies, And now they're using that money to seize control over key industries that dominate our lives, whether it's the food, uh, the financial sector, uh, health and transportation and energy, crucially, and, of course, information. I mean, we see the information control growing. And what do you make of their alliances? I mean, like there's a weird alliance between Charles Koch and George Soros, the Quincy Foundation. So I guess... Are they, uh, they're not opposed to joining forces, combining resources, if it advanced their joint agenda. In other words, they're principled to a point, but their main principle is self-interest, no? Yeah, that's right. And uh, they, I mean, they also are, uh, you know, aligned with each other, but sometimes they uh, compete with each other. But ultimately, all of the people who fly over to Davos, uh, they want to take away control from the the peasant class, the people who they think are beneath them. Mm-hmm. What did you find that was most shocking or concerning as you did your research for this book? 
Oh man, so, there's so I know it's so a ton. much. You got a lot in the book. <laughs> yes, but anything that surprised yeah, you? I mean, yeah, well, they're uh, you know their their uh, takeover of the food sector. I mean, you, you never thought that they'd be trying to ban. Let cows. me just say this is very very important. The food sector. Go ahead and explain what they've done and what they're doing. Yeah. They're they're cornering the market and they're trying to ban the competition. And who is the competition? That's your local farmer, the person who's had the farm in their family for generations. And now they're pushing for regulations through their politicians like AOC and Green New Deal and Biden uh, Inflation Reduction Act type policies that are going to make it impossible for farmers to survive. Many of these billionaires really aren't capitalists, are they? They're what you call them. No, that's right. They're not capitalists. I mean, they, they try to dress up their economic system. Klaus Schwab calls it stakeholder capitalism, but it's much better known as stakeholder communism. It's much like what the Chinese Communist Party has, which is state-run, you know, they call it state-run capitalism. The only thing that's capitalist about it is that their companies are the, the blessed companies to be in bed with the government and make all the money, and everybody else is just, a, you know, a wage slave to them. And one of the reasons they really despise Donald Trump, almost all of them, is because of his um, foreign policy towards uh, uh, China, correct? Most of them want to do business with China and make a fortune from China. That's exactly right, Mark. I mean, they, you, there was some talk of decoupling before uh, Chairman Xi came over and got the red carpet rolled out for him by Gavin Newsom. Uh, there was talk of decoupling. These guys don't want to decouple from China, not even close. They don't see China as an adversary. They see China as a partner, as a friend. You saw it throughout the pandemic. People like Bill Gates, Klaus Schwab, I mean, even BlackRock, uh, you know, they praise the Chinese system. And, you know, they use euphemisms like efficiency and how quickly China can mobilize. But we know what happened in China. It was uh, All right, we're gonna, the music means we got to take a break. Hold on. We'll be right back. The book is Controligarchs, great name, exposing the billionaire class, their secret deals, and the globalist plot to dominate your life. We're with Seamus Bruner, the author, works very closely with Peter Schweitzer. Seamus, we're watching the drip, 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 almost salami slice uh, strategy of many billionaires now, including Democrats, saying that they're going to support Nikki Haley throw their weight behind Nikki Haley, and so forth and so on. Are these billionaires acting alone? Do they collude with each other? Do some of them collude with each other? How does this work, or is there no exact process to this? Oh, they absolutely collude with each other, Mark, and it's no coincidence that Nikki Haley came out uh, demanding that uh, online uh, identities must be exposed and even though anonymous speech is free speech, the Supreme Court has ruled that. It's no coincidence that Nikki Haley did that uh, remark after meeting with Larry Fink from BlackRock. And this is really all about uh, getting a digital ID, making sure that nobody can remain anonymous. And uh, the advancements, I mean, the, you know, controlling the food supply is an effective way to control people. But controlling people's money and controlling people's information is a very powerful way to control people. And so 
the advancements in things like central bank digital currencies and digital ID technology combined with the artificial uh, intelligence advancements we're seeing every day now is potentially game over for us. It was very strange, too, don't you think, that out of nowhere she jumps into the middle of the battle between Florida and Disney and takes the side of Disney and says, hey, Disney, you can come to South Carolina when DeSantis and the Republicans are trying to fight the wokeness of Disney, which is clearly destroying itself now. Is that what we can expect, that she's going to jump on the side of these these massive international corporations like this? Yeah, you're exactly right, Mark. I mean, she is, uh, you know, a corporate, uh, you know, corporate candidate. And there's so many of them uh, throughout our country. I mean, these guys are buying off our politicians wholesale. Uh, and so it, it always happens after they get some big checks, whether it's from a BlackRock type entity. entity. I mean, the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act, such a terrible name, uh, but I guess brilliant and diabolical. That only happened after Bill Gates picked up the phone. He called Senator Manchin and demanded that Manchin stop holding out the vote. And so you see it all the time. Uh, George Soros is already now the biggest funder of 2024. He's got his thumbs on the scale in a lot of other ways, as your viewers know, uh, whether it's the prosecutors or the organizations looking to get candidates taken off of the ballot. Uh, and so it's a huge problem. Uh, and uh, yeah, the information control, not enough can be said about that. I mean, just the censorship alone is bad, but they are ratcheting up artificial intelligence. They're going to use it in the election, and they're going to use it to eliminate as many of your jobs as possible. It's no coincidence that Bill Gates and other uh, control oligarchs are backing uh, studies into universal basic income. Uh, universal basic income will essentially be uh, a way to control people because their jobs have been lost, and there's no telling how many people will take the check. And then they're, once they're on the universal basic income, they're totally controlled. You're listening to Seamus Bruner. Uh, he's written his fantastic book, Controligarchs, Exposing the Billionaire Class, Their Secret Deals, and the Globalist Plot to Dominate Your Life. It's amazing how the Democrats run against these major corporations, the millionaires and billionaires, but they benefit as much, if not more, than the Republicans, No. Exactly. I mean, the, the, the thought that uh, the left doesn't love corporations is a joke. I mean, you will see it every Pride Month with the rainbow flag logos. And uh, a lot of these corporations are funding the social division and the, the hatred uh, in, amongst our people. Uh, it's really, really dark stuff. And it just brings you back to, like, why is all this chaos happening? It's because these people know that a weak country, a uh, country divided, is go is makes it easier to transfer the power of that country to their international organizations like the World Economic Forum and the United Nations, and so that's their end goal. Uh, once you once you understand that, everything else starts to make sense. And isn't this a battle within the Republican Party? That is, whether to throw in with these corporations like McConnell and that crowd, or whether to hold them to account which is the more conservative slash populist point of view. Well, thank goodness it's, the, the right is starting to wake up and see that uh, the debate of 40 years ago about tax cuts and whether it's, you know, the economy is about tax cuts and regulation, that debate's over. It's, you know, and conservatives are finally starting to wake up realizing that 
big corporations are not on our side. They aren't about capitalism. They want uh, crony capitalism or corporatism or eventually what Klaus Schwab calls stakeholder capitalism, which is really stakeholder communism. And so, yeah, we're waking up. But the, the, the debate of the future, I mean, the next five years is about artificial intelligence and this universal basic income, which you know, OpenAI, ChatGPT chat, chat maker is funding these studies. People are going to be begging for a universal basic income. You can see the videos online all the time. Uh, people in their cars, they're crying about losing their job. They can't afford groceries, can't afford insurance. And uh, that's where we're headed. Didn't we see a taste of that during COVID too, where there was really a universal basic income and it went beyond the pandemic and it's bankrupting the country just at that level, no? Exactly right. The pandemic, and you hear it all the time, the pandemic's over. Why are we talking about COVID? No, the pandemic was a blueprint for the future, whether it was the controlling of speech or the controlling of movements and controlling uh, what people were allowed to do and where they were allowed to go. And, uh, you know, the vaccine passports were a form of digital ID. They want to implement that worldwide. Bill Gates and the United Nations are right now working to implement digital ID worldwide. And once they have that, it's basically a social credit score. Why does Bill Gates have all this power? I mean, they're all billionaires, but he seems to be one of the leaders of the pack. Well, it's, uh, you know, he he, uh, has been the world's richest man for 20 of the past 30 years. And there's a great MIT professor, uh, Joseph Wiesenbaum, who speaks out against this artificial intelligence uh, revolution that they're trying to foist upon us. He says that the Silicon Valley big tech oligarch types, the, the control oligarchs, they, uh, because they have constructed these digital worlds and built these systems where they can ter- turn the dials and pull the levers uh, when building a company like Microsoft or Facebook, because they can turn those dials and get their intended results, they think that they can bring that into the real world. And so it's sort of like this God complex on steroids. They're the gods of their digital worlds. And so they think that entitles them to be the gods of our world. And who's standing up to these people right now? Anybody? Well, uh, (laughs) we got to spread the word. I mean, that's why your show is so important. And uh, we got to get the word out, uh, you know, on more shows. Uh, I know that I know I'm encouraged that more and more people are talking about these important subjects uh, Miriam Webster said the word of the year this past year was authentic. People are craving authenticity, so people are waking up. But no, the number one thing that needs to happen on the right is we need to correct the imbalance uh, amongst the donors. Now, we've got plenty of great donors, very generous donors. Conservatives are more generous than liberals. It's been proven in study after study. But the George Soros ATM machine and these control oligarchs in Silicon Valley It's just like a faucet. And so we need to fund organizations and people who can get the word out and fight back. And people need to understand that the entire method or the entire manner in which they live, their whole lifestyles are at stake, right? Yeah, this is an existential crisis. I mean, Kamala Harris says climate change is an existential crisis. Apparently, she didn't get the memo from bill gates just a few weeks ago well, she's bill gates an existential totally crisis perverse. if you ask me 
You're exactly right. But no, this this uh, these control schemes that are going on, uh, largely behind the scenes, but they're starting to come to the forefront. These are an existential crisis, and we've only got a few years before we may never get out. Well, it's really a fascinating book. We barely touched the uh, tip of the iceberg here. Seamus Bruner is his name. He works with uh, Peter Schweitzer, a good friend. He's very much the scholar. He digs into all this research. He's one of the uh, unsung heroes. It's called Control Arcs. Controla Arcs, excuse me, Controla Arcs, exposing the billionaire class, their secret deals, and the globalist plot to dominate your life. You can get it on Amazon.com. And uh, I assume it's in virtually every major bookstore, no? <laughs> yeah, it is. And uh, Amazon is really putting their thumbs on the scales and uh, burying it. So you got to scroll down past uh, all the controlling arches and uh, look for Controla Arcs. Or if you don't want to give money to Amazon, they're certainly in your local retailers. I'd recommend going to a local retailer. Or uh, you can go to controllagarksbook.com, and it's got a lot of other good places to buy books so you don't give Jeff Bezos the money. It's amazing because Amazon was very, very generous to me. And it was Barnes & Noble that was censoring, censoring the book as much as it possibly could. It's amazing which one of these companies do what. But there are ways to get these books. Seamus Bruner. Controller arcs, and it's exposing the billionaire class, their secret deals, and the globalist plot to dominate your life. Really fantastic job. I want to thank you. And it's a perfect time of the year to have a book out, Hanukkah and Christmas, and to get the message out there. So God bless you, my friend. Be well. God bless you, Mark. Thanks so much. You better believe it. You take care of yourself. He really is one of the unsung heroes who does this enormous amount of research with Peter and with Breitbart and these others. And, uh, and this book is his baby, and it's really a fascinating book. It's, it's frightening, actually. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Let me try and squeeze in a caller. Rich from Gainesville, Virginia, excuse me, the great WMAL. How are you, sir? I am awesome, Mark. Thank you. Um, you I just wanted to say quickly, I met you and your wife three years ago as a manager at a breakfast restaurant in Leesburg, and you were awesome and so nice. Anyway, I Thank wanted you. to reference the Savannah. Yes, I wanted to reference the Savannah Guthrie Liz Cheney interview where the gist was, well, if Donald Trump is reelected, he'll refuse to leave office and demand a third term and there'll be anarchy and everything. And I did want to say one more thing, not to be self-serving. I'm a Christian, and I would die for Israel's freedom, just so you know, as a patriot. So, Well, you're very, I remember you. You're a very, very good guy. I want to thank you. And uh, so Liz Cheney basically, Liz Cheney's a head case. She always hated Trump. Uh, she, uh, she just wants to scare the hell out of people. She loves all the attention she's getting. She used to be despised. And we have a lot of those in the Republican Party. We got Adam Kingsinger. You've got uh, Mitt Romney. And I would just want to add this. Thank you so much for your call, my friend. I just want to add this. One of the things the Republicans are strongly opposed to, and I'm with them 100%, is this funding of the border. Now, you might say, wait a minute, it's funding the border. No, it's not. They're saying more money for the border. It's more money for processing more illegal aliens to come into the country. That's what the money's for. It's not for securing the border, okay? 
That's a big lie. Mr. Producer, do we have another caller to whom I shall speak if we can slip them in here? Uh-huh. On the Levin app, Eugene, Oregon, Mark, Mark, how are you, sir? Yellow. Hello. Well, that one didn't work. Next one. W-J-A what? S. In Florida, yes. Well, there's a big controversy, you know, about the final four here and the championship in football, Mr. Producer. I don't want to get involved in that, do I? Even though I have a strong opinion. It's going to be interesting to see of all the of all the bowl activities how Florida and uh, and Georgia do. Because Georgia feels it should be in there, even though they lost to Alabama in the last game. Uh, obviously, Florida feels it should be in there. It had a perfect record, even though it lost its uh, super talented quarterback. Uh, and so that'll be interesting, number five and six to play, because if Georgia beats Florida, then probably the decision was right uh, with respect to Florida. I think uh, I think Alabama belongs in there, quite frankly. They get stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. Obviously, Michigan does. Uh, Washington does. There's some questions about Texas, whether they should be in there, but that's okay. So I think they had a very tough hand, these guys, and I think they did a pretty good job. People can quibble with it. And now I pissed off one state or another. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, freedom fighters, our truckers. And we stand with our brothers and sisters in Israel against the terrorists, both here and abroad. I'll see you tomorrow. 